Today's episode of Who Weekly is brought to you by The CW. The two-hour premiere event of Superman and Lois airs Tuesday, February 23rd, or you can stream it free next day on The CW app. You will say that. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. This is our 500th episode. <laughs> 500th episode. Did you know this was our 500th episode? I was I looking to did. see what our first episode was about, and I couldn't. I might play a clip here just you to play see, a clip. like, oh, look at us. If anything, just to brag about how much better we sound. All right. Welcome to the first episode ever of Who Weekly, the podcast. Once newsletter, now podcast, changing with the times. Uh, I'm Lindsay Weber. I'm Bobby. Yeah, that's Bobby. Um, basically, we wanted to continue talking about the people that want to be talked about the most because you know what? They really deserve it. Um, and I feel like the American public deserves to know exactly who they are. And so our goal in this podcast is to really shine light and, and explain who these people are. Through our own journey. Because we don't always know. We're learning along with everyone else. We're going to find out for you because not only are we pop culture fanatics, but also journalists who are out there to find the truth. You're going to encounter these names and we want you to know who they are when you encounter them. Okay, I'm turning that off. Oh, that's exhausting. Yuck, we both sound different too. Yeah, I sound so young and bright eyed. We are pop culture (laughs) fanatics. (laughs) I hope people don't uh, go back and like listen. I mean, I know people do go oh, back they and do. listen, but if that was your first episode they ever, do. you might be like, oh, okay, <laughs> bye. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. Wow. 500 episodes later, we're still here and we're still doing it and we have better microphones. So that's good. Okay. Well, um, you're listening to Who's There, our weekly call-in show where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619-WHO-THEM. Anyone can call. Anyone does. You can also <laughs> email us at what's Rita up to at gmail.com if you want to avoid international fees or if it's hard to text or send voicemails. But let's just start with this comment. We start with comments. I was just calling in response to the caller who called and said that Firefly Lane, well, asked, I guess, if Firefly Lane was the hooliest show on television. And I would submit that it's not, and that the actual hooliest show on television is the still-running reboot of the show Magnum P.I. currently on CBS that stars um, Jay Hernandez, who I know best from the Kristen Dunst movie, Crazy Beautiful, also stars someone British called Brigitte Leake, and kind of stars um, Amy Hill, who I know best as the lady who works at the restaurant in the movie, Fifty First Dates. So that's the hooliest show on television. So I didn't even get this because I was like, how is Magnum P.I. hooier than this show? It's like was like a show people watched. And I didn't realize you meant the reboot, which of course is hooier because I didn't even know it was fucking happening. It's in the middle of its third season. Wow. And as the call said, Jay Hernandez, Perdita Weeks, and Amy Hill star in it. News to me. Someone else called about Virgin River also being hooey. Well, Virgin River is also in the same aesthetic and space as Firefly Lane, which yeah. you have to play it, but I got that argument. 
I understand the argument, but I just feel like this follows the rules a little more of Huiness because it's a remake. So you already have the dichotomy there. You already have the them, which is the original Magnum PI. So of course, this has to be the who because it is the remake. Uh-huh. It stars who's. It stars character actors who are always who's. Uh-huh. And Jay Hernandez, who is one of the number one that guys of our generation. I know. Try, keep trying to make Jay Hernandez happen. Everyone's been trying to make Jay Hernandez happen since like 2001. I know. And I guess he's finally happened. He's just happened in his subtle who way, which is starring on the reboot of Magnum P.I. Right. One more call about Firefly Lane, because how could we not? This call, incredible. By the way, I just have to say, mm. just right up top, Amazing calls this week. Okay. Hey, Who Weekly. Long time, long time. Uh, just calling in because you're talking about Firefly Lane. And I have a story about Firefly Lane, which involves one of the worst days of my life. I was moving out of my apartment in Vancouver. And my apartment building had a rule where you could only rent out the elevator for moving, like, two days before your moving date. So my boyfriend and I went to go rent out the elevator and Catherine Heigl and Firefly Lane had rented out all the elevators in all of our in our apartment uh, because they were shooting in the penthouse of the apartment building and it's a terrible story goodbye it's not a terrible story no and I have to say there are so many great things about living in Canada like I would love to live in Canada I think there are so many great things this is definitely the downside to living in Canada is you could just live in a great apartment building in Vancouver just trying to mind your own business with your free fucking health insurance and living your best healthiest life and Katherine Heigl rents out the elevators because Americans love shooting shows in Canada it's true but also I don't want to hear a Canadian complain okay If you would have dropped that sofa on your foot, you could have gone to the hospital for free. You're going to call our American podcast and complain (laughs) (laughs) about your perfect Canadian. I'm just kidding. We are just kidding. That actually is a nightmare because as I am moving and it's very stressful to imagine if I had uh, elevator access. Yeah, you don't have an elevator. But imagine if Katherine Heigl was just standing on your already narrow staircase with her arms crossed saying, good luck. Right. If I was trying to I reserve this. Catherine Heichel was just waiting in the hallway being like, cut. <laughs> Hi, guys. Long time, long time. Um, you, We were just talking about uh, John and Joan Cusack, and I was a barista in Chicago for many years, and John Cusack was kind of a regular at the shop I worked at, and he rode this weird little scooter on the sidewalk, and he wore a really long leather duster jacket and the do-rag and he always ordered a soy cortado um he tipped well he's pretty weird he has a big head i do think he's still of them but he's like seen around chicago a lot and people are just like oh there's junkie sack but um yeah you know i don't i'd be a lot more excited if i saw joan i don't know if that means anything but um when do we become the demois for coffee orders like (laughs) that's all i want to be like (laughs) the celebrity goss i need is like they filmed a show that prevented you from using the elevator and it was a slight inconvenience for a day and tell me exactly what they ordered at the coffee shop i know that really is our brand of whatever is going on in celebrity gossip online right now which seems to be a lot of people saying they're nice they're mean they didn't tip they did tip (laughs) So it's a cortado, a soy cortado. 
I do like a cortado. I love a cortado, but a soy cortado. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. A little weird. As Just as weird as the leather duster, which is apparently what he wears, and a do-rag. John Cusack, He's... what a character. <laughs> he also, I realize he kind of is wearing a duster in his iconic Say Anything scene. So he is just the same John you've always known. He's a weird guy. That is nothing new to me. I knew We knew that. I'd r- and I would much rather see Joan than John. Are you kidding? Of course. We also got this call. You know what? I didn't send you this call. Maybe I'll play this call and see if we should keep it. I had to pause who's there when you were talking about the Cusacks to share my little story of how my orbit has intersected with Joan Cusack. Um, I live in Chicago. The Cusacks are famously Chicago people. And when we were house shopping three years ago, um, we were at an open house. And like immediately loved the house with this beautiful kitchen with all this great wood cabinetry. And the real estate agent for the person selling the house was just said very offhandedly, like, oh, yeah, these are Joan Cusack's cabinets. And we're like, excuse me, did Joan Cusack live here? And it turned out that she did not live here. But when the previous owner of this house was remodeling it, Joan Cusack was also remodeling her house and was selling her cabinetry on Craigslist. So the person who was remodeling this house bought Joan Cusack's cabinetry, moved it a few miles across town, and installed it in this kitchen. And we ended up buying the home. So now, for the past three years, I've lived in a home with Joan Cusack's cabinets, and they're great. She has great taste. Um, also, our fume hood is very low. Uh, it was also part of this cabinetry, and we bang our head on it all the time. So it made me wonder if Joan Cusack was short and just didn't mind this, but it turns out she's 5'9", so we probably banged our head on the same fume hood. All right, that is all. That MacBook. God, we're the worst. We are dumois, but terrible. <laughs> This is like when my friend bought a car and it was Barbara Mandrell's car and it broke. What? <laughs> yeah. I told you Barbara this. Mandrell's car? A Did friend, you tell me this? Yeah. Our friend, one of our friends who's definitely listening to this, bought Barbara Mandrell's like red convertible from some guy and it, the and, and, and the, the roof was stuck in closed <laughs> for a long time. What? What? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't want to call her out, but you could probably guess who it was. A, a red convertible. Yeah, who? Someone who moved to LA and bought Barbara Mandrell's red convertible. Oh, Julianne. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you could leave that in. <laughs> hey, Lindsay, Bobby, big fan of the show. Just wanted to say, shortstop is a baseball position that plays between second and third base. And that's a really important position. A lot of balls are hit there, especially by right-handed batters. I think it's probably the themiest position, like Derek Jeter was a shortstop. Anyway, love the show. Crunch, crunch. I played this. Lindsay's furious. Lindsay's screaming as we do this. I did not start a podcast about celebrities to have to hear someone tell me what a shortstop is. I know what a shortstop is. I just wanted to correct the record. I don't know. I said... In a moment of passion, I was just like, I don't even know what a shortstop you is. You do. I know what a shortstop is. Imagine telling Demois what a shortstop is. You submit that to Demois. <laughs> well, exactly. They come to us. Don't go to Demois with this. 
No, they come to us. They say, oh, Bobby doesn't know what a shortstop is. I'm going to call and tell him what a shortstop is. No, I appreciate it. It's true. They took you They took you seriously. They did. I had always wondered why there's a guy in the middle of second and third, but not a guy in the middle of second and first. that's where and the balls go. And now I have go. an answer. That's where balls because go. Because that's where the balls go. And you know what that means? The balls go to left field, which is why I was always right field in Little League, because the balls never go to right field. Oh, my God. Right fields. RF. Robert Finger. Right fields. I pick like wildflowers sometimes okay stop. <laughs> one time i was in the back just like staring at the sun as this game was happening that did not require my participation because i was in right field and there were some bleachers that kind of spread all the way down the like right field gate and one of some team members i think it was the opposing team's mom but it was a mother of a player but i didn't know this mother she looked at me in the chain link fence and she goes i swear to god she cups her mouth and goes, you have the prettiest eyelashes. Oh, that's so not You do. And I, and I was like, what? She goes, you have the prettiest eyelashes. You do, yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks. And I'm just like picking flowers. Anyway, okay. Wow. Um, okay. Well, I guess we got a good story out of that one. Next call. Next call. Hi, Who Weekly. A uh, long time, long time. I'm calling about, um, I was listening to your Who's There episode and you were talking about Lance Bass's planned trip to space. And I'm sure you've gotten a lot of calls about this because, um, I don't know, it's on the Wikipedia page. It's easy to find. But apparently the reason he didn't go to space is because in his, you know, as part of his preparation to go, he had to undergo like a physical exam and it was discovered that he had a heart condition and he ended up undergoing surgery to correct it. So had he not undergone um, all of this training to go to space, you know, it easily could have, you know, it might have saved his life. Um, but the funniest fact that I know about that is that apparently, um, because like when you go to space, I know absolutely nothing about like physics or science, but you know, like the weights and the metrics of everything has to be extremely exact. Um, and everything's measured out, you know, beforehand. So <laughs> because he couldn't go and he was planned to go, they had to put like a trash can or like barrel on board that was filled with um i don't know material that was like the exact weight of lance bass um i've always thought that was really funny and i don't know i'd like to know where that barrel is today um all right i'm so lucky to be with you be love you bye I can tell you where that barrel is. It's fucking in space. It's still in space. They dropped that it's thing. Still, I think it's like, still in space. It's yeah. still in space. So the Wikipedia doesn't have much information, especially about the barrel. It doesn't mention the barrel at all, but there's a billboard story from the time. And because it was all through Russia, never forget. Yeah, it was a Russian tourism trip. So they failed to raise the needed $20 million to get him on. But they assumed they would get the $20 million. So they made all these plans for Lance Bass. $20 million so Lance Bass can go to space. Base? So because they didn't get the money, but they had already assumed they did, they were like, we don't have time to find someone else to fill this position. That's why we need to get this container filled with Lance Bass's weight. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
It says, Russian space officials previously indicated that a cargo container weighing the same as bass would replace the singer once the deal was off. <laughs> That's really adding insult to injury, is it not? He can't even go and they're still going to put some kind of like weird Lance Bass barrel in there. Might as well just put Lance in there. Imagine the sort of like existential crisis you would have if you realized you were replaceable by a barrel that weighed the same amount as you. That's getting shot off to space. <laughs> It's like Indiana Jones replacing the gold skull with like the bag of sand. Yeah. It was it was something that I mean I can't even really describe. It was months of training. You went through all the training. Oh yeah. Um, so what happened? Crazy stuff. Uh, well, a week before launch, uh, my mission got scrapped, basically over insurance because we were doing it. It started out as a CBS show that we were doing um, that I was going to host this game show, um, but then halfway through that got messed up and it was going to be a documentary for MTV and no insurance company would cover the, the production. So it got canceled the week before. Hi, Who Weekly. I'm calling because I'm listening to your show right now, and you're talking about Jordan Rogers and JoJo Fletcher and whether or not they need to stay together. So there is, you know, for any contractual reasons, um, there's no rule that they need to stay together. Um, however, if they want to keep the ring, they need to be together for two years um and i believe it's two years since the not when they actually get engaged on the show but like when it airs um so it's like two and change and the reason that is because those rings are like worth one hundred fifty thousand dollars, so there's a lot of money um tied to it so anyway um hope that clears that up for you scarjo yummy pop women do belong in bullion I gotta say, like, that's a, is that not a rom-com premise asking to be made right there? They gotta stay together for two years to sell the ring. And then guess what? You fall in love because you're freaking faking it. Oh, we're faking it. But it's like usually like we stay together for the kids. So it's like stay together for the ring. Oh, the wet or like I need a wedding date. I'm paying Rupert Everett or something. What was that? A De- Deborah Messing movie where the she- The wedding date. Yeah. <laughs> No, and yep. it's Dermot Mulroney. Okay, same Rupert idea. Everett is George in My Best Friend's I Wedding. I know, but same idea, like rom-com about weddings. Yeah, so that yeah, so they stay together, then they can split the proceeds of the ring. I guess what happened was they stayed together for this reason, and then they actually did fall in love. That's why they're Exactly, and that's what the rom-com would be about. They hate each other, they hate each other, yeah. they hate each other, and then after two years of faking it, they make it. Fake it till you make Fake it. Fake it till you make it. Or you make $75,000. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Not a bad concession prize, honestly. Yeah, it's too bad there's already a movie called The Ring. That's about not something else. <laughs> Springtime vibes are in the air, and when I bring in some beautiful flowers that are blooming, I want to smell them, not the litter box. And I can't, thanks to Pretty Litter. I'm going to correct this ad because uh, I didn't bring any flowers in, but you know what I did cook yesterday? A big pot of beans. It smelled delicious in my apartment. It smelled like all the yummy stuff I was cooking, and it didn't smell like cat poo-poo or cat pee-pee because I used pretty litter you're saying springtime vibes are in the air and when i cook a big pot of beans <laughs> i'd rather I smell, smell them yes not the litter box i'd rather okay, smell beans great. than flour i'm trying to personalize i don't think it. pretty litter would mind you correcting their intro with your own personal endorsement which is yes. that you want to smell your beans yes delicious fragrant beans with bay leaves and garlic and onion this is all to say that nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, it's low-dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. So I know that when people come over to my apartment, they're going to be smelling whatever I'm cooking, whatever's in the air, you know, like whatever candle I lit. They're not going to smell what's in the litter box. 
because it soaks it all up. Plus, the crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like UTIs, kidney issues, and more. So when the colors change, you can tell your vet what happened so they know what to look for. And if that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to my door. I never run out. I don't have kitty litter bags taking up a lot of space in my little apartment. Go to prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Prettylitter.com slash who. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What was Ashley Judd doing in the Congo in the rainforest? Six hours by motorbike away from the nearest village because I just saw something on Instagram about Ashley Judd shattering her leg in the Congo in the rainforest. And I just want to know, what is she doing there in the middle of a pandemic? Wild. That's wild behavior. I mean, I'm glad she's okay, but what is she doing there? God, Ashley Judd is uh, quite the character. Like, she really is. And I think she's a them. She's a them. I don't she's a them. know. I don't know. Sometimes I sometimes I think she's a them, and sometimes I sometimes think she's I a think who. Sometimes I think she's a who. I don't know. But she's doing a lot. I, I've kind of shifted my stance on, like, this type of thing where obviously there's a lot of terrible things going on in the world, but you kind of have to, like, pick and choose what you care about or else you just can't do anything at all, you know? And she's chosen the bonobos. You know what I mean? And, like, part of me is kind of like – Okay, yes, there is a pandemic going on. And yes, there is a lot happening. Why is she focusing on these bonobos? But it's like someone has to. Yeah, but also I'm not quite sure. Is that, what... is that a bad argument? I don't know that it's a bad argument. I'm just saying like, what do you do when you're out with the bonobos? Like what well, is she actually doing? You bring awareness, doing? you raise money. No, but like when she had to take the really long trip and risk infecting people in the Congo as some woman from the United States, which is a hot zone, you know, like, I guess my point was not like about spreading coronavirus. It was just about like focusing efforts on like charity work when you are a celebrity like that, that like, I'm not going to be mad. Like, I'm not mad that Ashley Judd focuses on bonobos because again, who else is doing it? To be fair, it has been her thing for a long time. For many years, she has been vocal about uh, wanting to protect the bonobos. And that requires a lot of trips to the Congo, but I didn't know she was still doing it now. now. And the right. way we found out about it was she was doing an Instagram live with that reporter, Nick Kristoff, and casually mentioned like, oh yeah, like I'm in the Congo and I got terribly injured recently. I broke my leg in four places and I'm going to have an update about it tomorrow. And then on her Instagram, she posts this really long caption with Many, many, many photos documenting how she fell. She shattered her leg, which can actually kill you. It's not just like a, yeah, Yeah. it's not really like a, it's a pretty serious injury. I mean. And as the caller said, she wasn't really near a city that had a hospital. So she had to be kind of taken care of by the people who were in this little small village that she was in. And they helped take care of her, like gave her shelter because there was no medication really. And then somehow she got transported to this city and she's very like, I recognize my privilege in being able to even get transportation to this city and then find an ICU for this. It matches. One time I was at some event at the New York library with with a friend and she spoke that she was like part of it. And she Mm -hmm. got interviewed about some, again, I think it was some charity work she was doing. And she told the story that was like, I was, I was, I was walking somewhere and 
I got picked up like a hitchhiker, but the guy who was driving the car was Bono. And I was like, this is the most like <laughs> this story, you know, like, of course, like Ashley Judd was picked up by Bono on the side of the road in <laughs> another country. I got to say, Ashley Judd getting injured is the most aware I've ever been of Bonobos being endangered. Bonobos kind of a who in the primate world, I would yeah, call them kind of a true. who. And I have to say, when I saw Bonobos, I thought of the stupid pants and I was pissed <laughs> at myself. Trust me, I'm the most disappointed in myself, more than you are. Anyway, they're endangered, and Ashley Judd is trying to help them. I mean, Ashley Judd needs to stay a them so she can raise proper awareness. Because if you're a who, you really can't raise as good awareness as you are if you're a them. Mm -hmm. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Quick question. I just finished watching Judas and the Black Messiah, and I need to know, does Lakeith Danfeld know who Haley Steinfeld is? Thank you. Crunch, crunch. Bye. Great question. Uh, leave it to the hooligans. I think the answer is one, two, three. Yes. yes. I don't have any proof, but they, they're they in the same realm of celebrity in terms of like... They're both young. Exactly. Yeah. Like they've definitely met at like a young Hollywood party, you know? They're young <laughs> actors slash musicians. Totally. Wait, he's a some musician? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a rapper. Oh. Fuck the world. I can't help nobody else. Lift a hand, nail and palm. I can't even help myself. Staring at the ceiling. I got a bad feeling. It's another dead day. Wish these walls would waste away. Hi, Weekly. I have to tell you my deepest, darkest secret, which is that I love Mama June from Hot from Not to Hot. And I just saw this New York Post page that um, Tessica Brown, the Gorilla Glue girl, is now being repped by Gina Rodriguez, who is the agent for Mama June and Honey Boo Boo and is like a main character on the show. So that is freaking out. That is me freaking out. Oh, my God. Tim Tebow loves you. I have to say, whoever's the agent for, considering how many shows that woman has gotten and how many situations mm -hmm. that woman has been through within the lens of Hollywood, really, I would say, oh, she must have an incredible agent. Turns out she has like a groundbreaking agent in terms of mm -hmm. what this woman has accomplished. I love when a call opens so many doors. So her name is Gina Rodriguez, spelled the same as the actor Gina Rodriguez. But not that Gina. But not that Gina Rodriguez. So the Gina Rodriguez we're talking about, who is Mama June's agent, along with a lot of other people's agents, which we'll get into has at Gina Rodriguez on Instagram and it's verified, which I think explains she was earlier to the platform than actor Gina Rodriguez because actor Gina Rodriguez is just here is Gina I on Instagram. Can't. Obviously has more followers, but it explains that, which is funny. I wonder if she made any attempt to get it back from her. Maybe not. Mm, maybe she did. I feel like all celebrities try. Try. Because it's like, what's the harm in trying? Yeah. Your social media strategy people, like they're the ones who have the contact information to do that quickly. But this Gina... The manager, she represents like every who you could ever think of, basically. Every who you could think of. And yes, Tessica Brown, who was the woman who put Gorilla Glue on her head and then it got stuck and then she got the GoFundMe and then, you know, got a lot of attention, gave a lot of the GoFundMe to charity, blah, blah, blah. She is now represented by Gina Rodriguez. She's also representing uh, Nathan Apodaca, who was Dogface. The Fleetwood Mac TikTok guy. The Fleetwood Mac cranberry juice guy. So at first I was like, oh, she just does TikTok people. But then you look at her website and it's like, oh, no, she does. TikTok's her new pivot. 
she's always kind of been ahead of the curve. She was representing like 15 minutes of fame reality star people first. There's like love and hip hop people, real housewives people who I think a lot of them she still represents. A lot of them have since moved on to other representation. But because she does have like a vibe. She was representing the Jersey Shore people early on like Wow and Angelina and Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Oh, Becca Martinez, The Bachelor who like disappeared. But then she was like, I'm not actually gone. I'm on The yep. Bachelor. Love her. Yeah, I love, love it. her forever. Love it. Black China. Khadijah but, Hawk w- from Keeping Up. Khadijah Hawk and Malika. And Malika Hawk. So, of course. So you look her up and it's hard because her name, there is a more famous person with her exact name. Right. So it's hard to do like serious research on a woman who has the exact same name as another woman. Yeah. You have to make sure that you're looking at the right person. But you found the, you found like the key piece, which is this Michael Musto article from 2014, incredible Michael Musto piece about how this woman who was a former porn actress kind of pivoted her way into being a manager. For people who were infamous, as you could say. She acted in porn for a little bit, had a boyfriend who also was in like the like adult film industry. And then she was like, you know what? I'm done with this. She wanted to do more of the business, but she stuck to the realm that she was familiar with, which was other porn actresses. And then what happened was when Tiger Woods had his cheating scandal, right? Mm-hmm. There was a woman that he had dated who was someone she knew. Who was a porn actress. Yeah, she took her to talk to Gloria Allred, which was really funny. She mm-hmm. knew Gloria Allred too, and she referred her, and in that like connection that she made, she kind of like branched out, and all, all the other girls that Tiger was involved with started coming to her, right? Then the Charlie Sheen girl started coming to her. Mm-hmm. But then she developed this reputation as somebody who would essentially like help people's reputations in a way or kind of help spin off their 15 minutes of fame into something more kind of money making for them there's this weird she's towing the line between and she even mentions it at the end because i was like it seems like there's an argument to be made that what she's doing is exploiting these people that's totally i I think a valid argument too but her argument is that like no they've exploited themselves i'm trying to make sure that they can at least capitalize on this while they can because i think she of all people understands that fame is fleeting and the ability to make money off of your fame or your trauma in a lot of ways, like whenever fucked up stuff happens to you and it's like, oh shit, my reputation is going down the toilet or oh shit, I have to like tell my story in my own way before like the more powerful people tell the story for me, like Tiger Woods, Charlie Sheen, whatever. She jumps in and she's like, tries to help them. She tries to get them as much (laughs) financial aid and and I think mental aid too. she also helps get them into rehab for free. One of her things is she got like Tila Tequila, she got Farrah Abraham, and she got Tan Mom into rehab for free, essentially, because they mentioned the rehabs. Um, another person that she represented who she helped prolong the kind of exposure to was Octo Mom, Nadia what was Nadia's last name? Nadia Sulman. Right. And then she's like, oh yeah, Nadia Sulman was a nightmare client. I had to dump her because it was a disaster. Well, because she kept kind but, of, she was like in and out. She had a lot of issues and it was like, she stuck with her for a long time. And then all of a sudden she was like, I can't like deal with this anymore. I but can't deal with what this. what I thought was really interesting was she was like, remember when Octomom made a porn and everybody was like, ugh, but it was like, that was a way to like prolong the money because this woman needed money. She needed like support. She had eight kids or whatever, you know? Yeah. There's something like actually really cool about what she's doing because she's stepping in for these people who otherwise like wouldn't have the opportunity to capitalize on this in this way. I just think that people think that somebody who becomes like infamous for some reason like makes money for no like they just make money like they just uh, like all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they get money because people are paying attention to them that's like not the case not what happens just because you 
are in the news in the media. Maybe you get offers. Maybe people are coming to you or whatever. But you don't just get money. You there are you have mm-hmm. to figure out what it is that you do specifically to get that money. Do you know what I mean? Because until then, yeah. like other people are writing about you, other people are talking about you, but they're not making money either. They're just putting your stuff out there for free. They're Nobody's making money. Exactly. Right, exactly. If anyone's making money, it's like, you know, TMZ or whatever if they write about you or something because they're making – they already have a platform on which they make ad money and they're not paying you. So like yeah. just interesting to me that what she's essentially doing is figuring out strategies for people who have – let's say the gorilla glue amount of fame, literally less than 15 minutes online. Mm -hmm. And how do we turn this into literally anything at all so that you come out of this with something, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure there are arguments that like what this person is doing, what Gina is doing is like perpetuating this like toxic media landscape and like toxic capitalistic society. And I think those arguments are valid. But I mean, at the same time, the the counter argument is that like, they're being humiliated. You may as well strike where the iron is hot and capitalize on, on, on your fame while you still can, because this chance won't come back again. You know, maybe there's many levels to whether this person is, quote, good or, quote, bad. Maybe there's lots mm-hmm. of things going on here. But for yeah. some people, she probably really helped them kind of get out of a mess or at least make the best of a mess, you mm-hmm. know, and that is make very interesting because we have all of these like D-list celebrities that also need representation, too. And she's mm-hmm. out here representing them. It's funny. You found her yeah. in Michael Cohen's book because of working with Trump or something, not with Trump, but... Yeah, it was referenced somewhere and I was like, what? And so I found a copy of Michael Cohen's book and I was looking through it for instances of her and I was like, she's in there? Like, what did she have to do with this? And I was like, oh shit, Stormy Daniels. She represented Stormy Daniels. Of course she did, yeah. And she was one of two people who were representing her. So they were each getting 15% of her revenue from this. So it's like she had a lawyer who was getting 15%, unless I'm doing the math weird they they each got a percentage that added up to 30 okay so maybe the lawyer was getting 20 and gina was getting 10 but the point is let's just say it was 15 percent each stormy was offered whenever michael cohen and donald trump are allegedly like hey we'll give you hush money to not talk about this before the election she was like okay pay me a hundred thousand dollars and they were like okay we'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars and she's like but here's the deal if you pay me a hundred thousand dollars i'm gonna have to give 30 percent of that up to my lawyer and my manager so can you give me the difference so that i can make it up to them so that so you i make me a hundred thirty thousand dollars yeah she's like i, mean, I need yeah. to make one hundred thousand just for me and so they were like how about $130,000 and then you could just pay your fees to your agent your manager and she was like your lawyer and she was like that sounds great so that's why the fee that like was highly publicized was such a weird amount $130,000 because some of that money had to go to Gina Rodriguez right and the lawyer that's interesting it's really interesting to put these pieces together anyway that's Gina Rodriguez not the other Gina Rodriguez but arguably more fascinating (laughs) Definitely more fascinating. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, I saw this question asked on Twitter, and I just had to make sure we were uh, addressing the experts with this one. Does the Queen of England know what a chicken tender is? French, French. This is from Disc Picks. Yes, Disc Picks. Do you think the Queen of England knows what a chicken tender is? It has 417,000 likes. It has 31,000 retweets. I think she knows what a chicken tender is. That's a weird way to phrase it. Yes. I think she knows what one is. I'm not convinced that she's ever eaten one. And she definitely doesn't eat them with any regularity. 
Here's my argument for why she knows what a chicken tender is. She lives within one mile of two chicken tender places, as in Buckingham Palace is one mile from a place called Slim Chickens, which is known for their chicken tenders, according to Google reviews, and a place called Absurd Bird, also known for their chicken tenders. At Slim Chickens, there's a reason we hang guitars on our walls and play the blues loud. The same reason we only serve 100% all-natural chicken tenders, because that's the way we like it. She's probably closer to more chicken tenders because many restaurants that aren't known for chicken tenders serve so them. They're like tenders. they're like a basic. The kid's menu. Yeah. But she's also spent time with many children in her life. So she definitely has been exposed to children's food, which often includes chicken tenders, whether they're rich and famous or not. Her grandchildren definitely know what chicken tenders are because they like existed in the world a, a little more fully than she did. So like there's apparently a famous photo that I saw of Prince William peering into a KFC in what looks like London. Yeah, there's the double decker bus. And also they're not famous for chicken tenders, but Nando's chicken is like He if, loves like Nando's. how could you not love Nando's? Like that is that is it. So because Prince William famously loves Nando's, he's definitely seen the full menu, which includes chicken tenders. Okay. But <laughs> here's the thing they don't eat chicken tenders so the last call opened up a wormhole about gina rodriguez this call opened up a wormhole about the foods the royal family eats first of all when she was coronated something was served called coronation chicken which i guess maybe i had heard a reference to yes, but i didn't know yes. exactly what it was it's basically chicken salad because it's like mayonnaise and chicken you can like look up recipes for this. It's like a thing. It's a saucy mayonnaise emulsification thing. But uh -huh. then there's tomato and curry powder and chili powder. And it's a little spicy. And that was served at her coronation service. So she is a fan of like chicken products. But mostly she eats roast chicken. Like engagement chicken, roast chicken. Because when you look up like interviews with her butler or staff or like people who used to work there, they're like, she's very like a creature of habit where it's okay. like she wakes up, she has tea. She has maybe fish for lunch, maybe chicken for dinner. They like steak as well, uh -huh. but she doesn't like starch. And so that's like the royal family never has pasta or potatoes or stuff like that unless it's like a very special occasion. Uh -huh. So it's like, I don't think she would eat a breaded piece of chicken. If she's eating chicken, it's going to be roasted, you know? This, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This delish.com slideshow you put in here that's like, it, it's like Princess Charlotte's favorite food is dot, 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 olives. <laughs> This is according to delish.com slash UK slash food hyphen news. This is so weird. I'll read the favorite food. You read the answer. Okay. Prince Philip's favorite food is... Salmon Kulibiak. <laughs> it's a Russian puff pastry. Salmon stuffed into puff pastry. Honestly, it looks delicious. It looks great. Prince Charles's favorite food is... Mushroom risotto. <laughs> what? I weirdly don't believe that, but okay. Okay, sure. Prince William's favorite food is... Chocolate biscuit cake. Which does look good, it okay. It does look good. I guess it was his wedding cake, too. Kate Middleton's favorite food is... Curry. Prince George's favorite food is... Cheesy pasta, because he's a child. <laughs> Princess Charlotte's favorite food is... As I said, olives. <laughs> olives. Prince Harry's favorite food is... Nanameo bars. It's like a, Canadian a chocolate, Canadian dessert. chocolate dessert. Okay. And then the last one, Meghan Markle's favorite food is, this is such a fucking lie. This is lie. ridiculous. It's <laughs> acai bowls. Anything that reminds her of California, to be honest. Oh my acai, God. Lindsay. Acai. Oh, fuck. That's why. That's how you can tell I don't live in California anymore. It's acai, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's that's acai bowls. All right. Well. Anyway. Okay. So, yes, I think that the queen has heard of chicken tenders. I just don't think she eats them. She definitely doesn't serve them to her family. And if she found out that her kids like chicken tenders, she'd be like, don't eat them. Just stone is the sausage. 
pandemic is so weird. As the caller said, Joss Stone is the sausage, <laughs> and the pandemic is so weird. What does that even mean? Joss Stone won The Masked Singer UK, this most recent season of The Masked Singer UK, uh, which huh? Lindsay and I would argue is unfair. She's a ringer. She's not just a singer. She's the masked ringer. See, that's the thing. It's like, it's kind of cheating to have... It's a fine line. It's a fine line because the masked singer has singers that are like older where you've kind of forgotten about them. The idea is like to have this kind of like comeback to say, remember me, I used to sing or I'm a one hit Mm -hmm. wonder or whatever. But then they got too big and they started having people who were, honestly, it's like, I don't know, not uh, Gladys Knight, you know, and it's like, fuck that. What? Come on. Get out of here. It was unfair when like... Two seasons ago in the U.S., Candy Burris won, which is the category of singer that's fun because Candy Burris is famous. She's more famous now for being a reality star right. than she it was when she sense. was a music so singer sense. producer. It so it's sense. like, oh, she's reminding you, I used to sing. Not only did I used to sing, I'm quite good at it. Isn't this cool? But this is unfair because it's like if I was going on Mass Singer UK and I was known for something else, let's say I was a skier and I'm like, oh, I can sing. I'll go on. Maybe I'll win. If I found out that I was competing against Joss Stone... I'd be pissed. Well, do you know who won the last American season? Leanne Rhimes. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's not fair. I know, that's it's true. It's not fair for Leanne Rhimes to be that's there true. because she is a, she's a singer. That's she's what a I'm famous saying. singer. That's her number one That's job, why this is, you know? you know, whatever. And they're even calling Joss Stone an international music superstar. That's not the point. If she still is one, why is she on The Masked Singer? It's unfair. So I'm trying to compare it to us ones to show that like it's kind of bullshit all over the world because now this is such a huge franchise but last season the top five were the top six let's do six taylor dane i think that that's fair because she's a little older and she hasn't been around as much right she's sort of like a niche she's a who then you have chloe kim i love that because she's literally not a singer she's an athlete yes then you have tori kelly Arguably makes more sense, but I still kind of reject it. I still hate that. I reject that. Tori Kelly actively works as a singer. I guess my thing is, is like, okay, if if the best singer is now being kind of restructured where it's more just like a game show where anyone mm-hmm. can come on and be masked and sing, then that's one thing. But the whole point was like to create these narratives that are like, I used to sing and now I don't or whatever. Like people forgot about yeah. me. That, like that, that well, is not accurate for this and i understand that like as it gets more popular they're going to because we talked about this when the show premiered a couple of years ago of course they were going to get better talent as the years I went know, by it's disappointing just from like a strategic standpoint it's not fun if you're a super famous singer whose voice we all know you know That's like the thing, when i right? heard joss stone sing rise up i'll play a clip here i was like That's that joss sounds stone. like joss stone yeah I didn't watch the Leanne Rhyme season, but I'll play a clip of her singing. She has a very distinct, currently popular voice. It's 
different if it's Candy Burst. It's different if it's Taylor Dane, you know? As we know, it's not like people go on this show to actually win it. They go on this show to go on the show to like have a moment. If anything, they're like thrilled to get kicked off because they don't have to be there that long like Lil Wayne did, you know? Lil Wayne is a great example though (laughs) because we he's known for rapping, not singing. Like he's doing something slightly askew and interesting. Right, because he sang like punk and that was like cool because that's like a, a genre he really loves and never gets to perform really. But yeah, I just feel like Joss Stone winning the Masked Singer. I mean, I guess cool, great. I wouldn't want to be, br- I wouldn't want to brag about that. That w- I wouldn't be proud of that. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, great. Like, you sang better than people who aren't known for singing. Because you are a fucking singer. Oh, God. Remember how she's been, like, trying to go around the entire world yeah, and sing they, in like, every country? Yeah, remember they, wouldn't let her into, like, certain countries and she was, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. She was a sausage. She was like a like if like street meat kind of like if you if you went to a place and got to go sausage sure. and chips Very and they British. wrapped it in newspaper. Very British. So she's wrapped in newspaper. She had a sausage head, and this is from her introduction. I'll play the clip, but it's kind of hard to tell because they do like uh, pitch shifting to mask their voices. But she says in her introduction in the episode, "Hello, it's me, sausage." Hello, it's me, sausage. <laughs> Lady sausage. I thought it was going to be a guy. The thing about sausages is they're a combination of a little bit of everything. And I guess you could say the same about me. With my chips and my newspaper wrapping, I might look a bit of a tomboy, but I really am a girly girl. I might look a bit of a tomboy. First of all, newspaper and french fries make you look like a tomboy. Like, we have a gender problem here. <laughs> I know my french fries and newspaper may make you think I'm a tomboy, but I'm a girly girl. It's like, this gender conversation is moot right now because you're dressed as a sausage with the face. So let's not do this. When they reveal her, the judges look shocked because they're like, she's too famous. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Rita Ora having to, like, guess who Joss Stone is is just like a alternate universe these people definitely knew her voice yeah that's what i'm saying it's an iconic voice oh god i don't want to call joss stone iconic yeah, but it's kind I of an say, iconic wow, voice okay calling joss stone iconic recognizable here we are, here recognizable we are. okay let's Next move call. on why do you want to learn a new language where would you use it and how would it come in handy this is what i'm asking myself every single day even if i'm not planning on going on a trip where i need to use a new language i'm just like my brain needs to stay alive my brain needs to stay active and there's only so many crossword puzzles i can do in one week and that's why i just feel like putting my mind to the test would just be using rosetta stone to improve my language skills and i'm always like idealizing Oh, I want to learn Francais. So when I go to Francais, I can speak French <laughs> with the person in You go to Quebec. <laughs> but really, I'm speaking I'm speaking on a like dream level, which is also great. Use Rosetta Stone to learn the language of a place you're dreaming of visiting. But also, practically, it makes more sense for me to learn Spanish. And if I'm going to learn Spanish, I'm going to do it on Rosetta Stone. That's amazing. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, and they have 25 languages offered. You have fast language acquisition because they immerse you in the language. There aren't English translations, so you really learn to speak. You listen. You think in the language throws out a stone. And it has an intuitive process, so you pick up the language naturally. First words, then phrases, then sentences, which means it's designed for long-term retention. And... 
the app has a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's very helpful. Okay. That was good. That was good. Thank it's, you. It's convenient. There's an amazing value. You can get a lifetime membership and just have every single language, all 25 languages you can have for your lifetime. And you can just work through them as long as you're alive. That's kind of an iconic mm -hmm. goal to have. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Who Weekly listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash who. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash who today. Hey, uh, quick question. What the hell is going on with Normani? Where is she? Motivation was so good. I've been waiting for an album, but I I don't know where she is. I I did Google, okay, just so you know, before I called you and made you do this work. I she gave an interview in October of 2020 saying God will let her know when her first album is ready, which I mean that's fine, but it also seems like, you know, a lot to wait for. So, is there is there more to this story? Are we waiting for someone else besides God? I just I just think she's really talented and I'd like to hear her album. Okay, that's my question. Thanks. Um, women belong inside, like everyone else. I do think there is more to the story here for yeah. for many reasons. Because to me, motivation was such a hit that it sh is shocking how long it's been post. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, people dream of of a lead single or a lead in that is as good people dream of releasing a song as good as motivation right. let alone your first solo song it made a wave it had a great video people were talking about it and so to me something must have happened in the way of the production of this album or maybe it really wasn't done i think it's purely COVID, and i don't think it's easy for anyone your <laughs> your megan the stallions or lady gaga's your dua lipas but it would not be easy for somebody who's Fresh. Brand new. Yeah. I think that all those people, even Megan, were a little established. She's not even brand new, but new, a new solo artist. Yeah, I just, but Motivation did come out before. Uh, August, it was August 2019. Fall 2019, it was huge. Right, there was time to push out and get something ready. Maybe it just wasn't ready. And then it, it was ready. And they were then, like, da, da, da. let's hold it. Right. But I do think that Normani does like an interesting job of staying in the consciousness, not even just because people are like, what's going on with Normani, which is nice that people even say stuff like that. But she was in the WAP video. She kind of shows up here and there. She does a lot of she does interviews. I think there, she was just a mm -hmm. they just did a profile of her. Maybe that's what you were referring to or like what you're, it was on Teen Vogue. Yeah. You know, she's on the cover like she's still like kind of out there doing stuff. But it is one of those things where it's getting to be Rihanna style in terms of where's your first album? Because, yeah, the, the hype is big the hype is real maybe that's now there's more pressure oh it's stressful my interpretation of this is that she's got very influential and like talented people behind her and in her corner and this is all very very strategic and they're like you know what it's worth the wait they're preparing her to like really explode onto the scene when she releases her first album and yeah. she can't explode onto the scene until the pandemic is under control <laughs> right and i think she's very much a song of the summer artist. So in my mind, it's like, watch out April, May. That's when Normani's actually coming because I think they're positioning her for summer. I don't think anyone doubts that the music is coming. I think people are just very curious about what happened because again, 
it's not like motivation is lost or a waste, but it, no. it is a waste of a of a jump start that most people yeah. don't achieve. And she somehow achieved it. And it's like, okay, so what happened there? And it's it's curious. I think that she is such a sure bet <laughs> as a performer and a pop star that they're willing to wait. Okay. Like, I don't think there's a risk in waiting. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. I'm watching the Game Show Network right now. I'm a game show nerd. Uh, Leah Remini is hosting a game show that's based off of the People magazine crossword puzzle, and she has zero charisma. I'm pretty sure she might just be an android. Bye. I feel bad because I didn't get to watch it. I re- I wanted to watch it. Let's play it. Let's play a promo. Here's a promo. Wait in line to sit on his lap. Santa Claus. It is. Coming in January. <laughs> okay. Game Show Network and People Magazine are teaming up to bring you People Puzzler. The crossword game show that combines pop culture and fun facts. Tin Man's new heart is a ticker. Clock. Leah Remini hosts People Puzzler. People Puzzler, a.k.a. what is known iconically as the easiest crossword ever printed. (laughs) Think about it. Is there an easier crossword that is printed regularly? I don't think so. No. I think the only crossword puzzle that's easier than people crossword are the big ones you could buy at the airport. The ones that are like <laughs> those the big, aren't the, published. The in, big books. I'm talking about being published in like a mat, like regularly published. Like the closer one might be easier. Okay. I think the closer one's easier I because don't you're know. working with people who might. I, I, think, mm. I don't know. Okay, but okay, but people puzzler is one of the easier crosswords of all time. It's very funny to make it into a game show. It's, I mean, it's the funniest thing <laughs> in the whole wide world. <laughs> Because, like, you want Leah Remini to scold you and to, like, tell you about Scientology. Yeah, I want her to tell me what's dangerous. Yeah, I don't want her to say, we have an H and now a C. Here's your clue. After Queen Elizabeth, he's in charge. Charles. Is it Charles? Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want Leah Remini to be like, to give me like the clue that's like the reveal is like the rock or something. I just don't want that, you know? <laughs> Lindsay, I opened up this week's issue of People magazine. See, give me a few of the puzzlers. This is this week's People. So uh, this is what we're dealing with. Okay. Let's see if this is the easiest. I'll try to do it in my best Leah Remini scowl. Oh, okay. Make sure you get her accent too. I want to cross. No. Blank Max. Fury Road. Mad. Ding, ding, ding. And Mad. I don't even have the, like, usually you have like the spaces to you know, go off of. Romance novelist Steele. Danielle. Oh my God. You got it right. Get out of yeah. here with okay. this. 13 across is Neeson of Taken. <laughs> Liam, what the hell? <laughs> you got that right. Okay, let's let's oh try it. Two God. more. We should, our quizzes are better than this. 45 across, fans of yummy singer Justin. Believers? Yeah. Obviously. And we'll end with this incredible three-letter word. Lindsay, what's a three-letter word for Affleck or Stiller? (laughs) (laughs) It's just Ben. (laughs) I fucking hate the people puzzler. God, try a little harder, people puzzler. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Long time, long time. Uh, I was just alerted to the fact that Tyra Banks has um, an ice cream line coming out called Smize Cream uh, on the Instagram, which is the handle is Smize Cream. It says super premium ice cream with a hidden yummy 
surprise. Surprise. I don't. I don't know. Uh, but apparently the account is going private tomorrow. Um, I don't know why, but they're going to reveal how to get a first taste of Smize Cream. Uh, so I see you're not following the account, so I hope you follow it um, so that you can it's all private? get... I'm on the voicemail. I'm so sorry. I gotta follow it right now. Shit. I'm so sorry. My wife is following the account <laughs> right now, so we'll report back about this mind screen. <laughs> Me inside. God, only Tyra would release an ice cream brand that is somehow still inexplicable. Like, I'm being told it's ice cream, but I'm also being told it's not ice cream. <laughs> what is it? Is it ice cream? It is ice cream. But, but what, what's all the hubbub around ice the ice cream? The name. What does smizing have to do with ice cream? It's a pun. It doesn't have to do anything with it. Okay. It's just a pun, like smize cream. What's insane is when I Googled smize cream, one of the first things that came up was a press release that was published on one of those press release, PR Newswire. And the press release, I've never seen anything like this. Let me read you the press release, Okay. Santa Monica, mm -hmm. California, February 16th, 2021. Today, Enhanced Capital Group, LLC, announced its investment in Smize Cream, a startup ice cream business wholly owned by entrepreneur and supermodel Tyra Banks. Smize Cream is the first deal of the Enhanced Capital and TriLink Global LLC partnership aiming to provide financing to growth-oriented small businesses that support local economies throughout the U.S. Smize Cream is super premium ice cream with an edible surprise in every serving called the Smize Surprise. Smize Cream is also an IP-driven company that targets family entertainment with immersive shopping experiences, a children's book series, film and television programming, and merch merchandise for all ages. The company is creating a non-profit mentorship program with the dynamic vision to provide goal-setting and goal-getting advice. The program will encourage people to submit a personal goal to the Smize Cream website for the chance to present it to the public audience. Those selected will receive the mentorship necessary to achieve their goal and inspire others through community engagement. Smize Cream will open its first door in Center Court in Santa Monica Place steps from the world-famous Santa Monica Pier in Southern California and plans to expand internationally. There are so many things about the Smize Cream business model that overcomplicate the concept of ice cream. Like if you told me that Smize Cream was about to like go to Wall Street and join the um, ticker, you know, what do they call that? Like get a, you know, go public. Hello, everyone. We are filing a Smize PO today. <laughs> like <laughs> the letters would be SMZ or whatever. She keeps saying that it has a smile surprise at the bottom of everything. I'm, I'm trying Do you to know what it is. What is it like a piece? It can't be a piece of plastic because it's edible. Here's what it is. And a smile surprise is a hunk size about that big, like a golf ball size of cookie dough. Different flavors of cookie dough, depending on what flavor of ice cream or smize cream you have. And that cookie dough is wrapped in white chocolate and put at the bottom of every serving. And baby, you have to dig, baby, dig and eat that amazing ice cream until you hit that smile surprise. Nobody speaks like this. Nobody speaks like this woman. 
Who speaks like this? I just like, she's using so many words to say she's selling ice cream that has cookie dough in it. It's cookie dough? (laughs) The answer is cookie dough. The answer is that there's cookie dough. It took two, two hedge funds, venture capital funds, Enhanced Capital Group, and TriLink Global to help Tyra launch ice cream that has cookie dough at the bottom. That's all I'm saying. I just like, this is the, the weirdest, most overcomplication of the concept of ice cream I've ever seen. And I just followed it on the Who Weekly account. It is so complicated. I've never seen a more, co- <laughs> like, there's no- nothing Tyra is better than at than making something overly, com- like, overly complicated. Un- un- she's unbelievable. She really is unbelievable. It's ice cream. Why do Spawn when you can start an ice cream company and get, I'm sure, a chunk of money? To basically sell ice cream with cookie dough in it. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're done. Thank you for listening to another episode of Who Weekly. Call in at 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, and concerns. We may play your call in a future episode. Support us on patreon.com slash whoweekly for twice weekly bonus episodes. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Love those ratings and reviews. And we'll see you on Tuesday with another episode of the main show. Have a good weekend. Um, bye. Bye. Hey. 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 That's my surprise. Hey, Lindsay, Bobby, and Carlos. Long time, long time. Um, I had to pause the podcast. The thing in your ear that keeps the airpods in is called your tragus and i would like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to enlighten one person with the knowledge i gleaned from taking ap anatomy and physiology which was the dumbest hardest fucking class in high school uh, crunch crunch Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, First time, sometime. Um, My wife listens to every episode, and I usually hear it and enjoy it. But I wanted to call in and let you know that I actually have uh, some information and a story about Gigi Paris, because she was a year or two above me in high school. Um, So one day in high school, I was sitting outside having lunch with my friends when she and a friend came up to us and asked if we would uh, be comfortable being, quote, whipped in a sexual way if Jessica Alba asked us to, unquote. And I think they were having some friendly argument about it, you know, one way or another. Um, You should know that I responded, probably not. Um, In addition, she was a model at the time in high school, and it was like a whole big thing uh, seeing her on – ads for Delia's were there. Um, now I'm being told that I need to sign off by saying crunch, crunch. Thanks. Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. It's only, um, so Abigail Breslin just tweeted, um, very unfortunately that, um, her brother has COVID and someone responded saying, Oh no, I hope Spencer gets better soon. And she just responded, not Spencer, period, Ryan, period. And then the original commenter said, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. Um, so I looked at who Ryan Breslin is, and he is real. Um, and he's been in a couple things, but that's not really why I'm calling. Um, 
in fact, I don't really know why I'm calling, but I just wanted – I didn't know who to tell about Ryan Breslin. Um, also, Spencer Breslin kind of looks good. Um, okay. Bye. Hi. Um, talking about Lance Bass going to space, pause the podcast to tell you a deranged story about once when I was a kid and I was at a Yankees game. And uh, I approached Lance Bass, who was sitting near me, I guess, and I asked him to sign a baseball. Uh, and then apparently also sitting near Lance Bass, which all of my other friends recognized, was a man named Dick Vitell, who I think <laughs> is, is a man. <laughs> um, it is some kind of famous sportscaster. But I was obviously excited about Lance Bass, but then I also had to get this other man, Dick Vitell, to sign my baseball. So somewhere I have a baseball signed by both Lance Bass, a who, and Dick Vitell, a them, by some other standards, not mine. Anyway, crunch, crunch, bye. Extremely important update. Re happily Ava after, um, since dating her chef boyfriend, um, she started doing cooking hacks on her page. And her most recent cooking uh, hack as of this message was how to freeze bread. She thinks that's a hack. Crunch, crunch. Today's episode of Weekly was brought to you by The CW. The two-hour premiere event of Superman and Lois airs Tuesday, February 23rd, or you can stream free next day on The CW app.